So welcome to a very special episode of the Kinky Christian Podcast. We are so excited about this episode. It's been a little bit in the making, um, and we've got something very special for you this time. Right, Kitten? Right. What do we have? Um, we've been blessed with an interview with director Max Carey and um, talking about his movie, Touch Kink. Um, is a very, very fun film. So hopefully this interview will prompt you to uh, take a look. So yeah, um, and at the end of this, we'll come back in and give you some more instructions. We got some links and uh, enjoy. We'll see you at the end. So, I, first of all, Max, I, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Melissa's husband, Pat, and uh, so you got both of us here. Hi, Max. Hello, Melissa. Hello, husband. <laughs> husband, Pat. Hi. Melissa's husband, Pat. So your your mother named you Melissa's husband, and your family name was Pat. That's that's pretty much pretty much what wow. it was. Wow, so it, it was it was decided. The die was cast early. Yeah, it was uh, predestined <laughs> that I was going to be with her. <laughs> so uh uh but thank you so much for doing this interview with us um no problem. Love we, it. we really appreciate it we appreciate uh you sharing your your film with us that was really nice of you um, thank you so if you don't mind uh i'd like to kind of we we kind of split our questions up kind of into like three little parts um talk a, a little bit about you and your history with directing and movie uh, and then we'd like to talk about the movie itself and then go into any future projects you may have. Is that okay? Sure. So um, can you just kind of give us a background on uh, what got you into directing and how long you've been doing that? Uh, well, I, uh, when I was about 14, my uncle showed me how to do darkroom work and photography and... Uh, uh, the die was cast. I liked um, the camera being the excuse to be in the room to look. I always felt like I wanted to sort of witness things and watch things for whatever reason. I've always never been comfortable being the center of attention. I more like to document. So uh, photography kind of just seemed really natural for me. And then I got a job with a local newspaper that really like gave, the camera became my passport to other people's worlds. You know, like suddenly at some meeting because, oh, Princess Diana is in town with Charles and uh, you have to take pictures for the newspaper. I'm like, wow, I got to go to this. I was like 15 when that happened. Wow. Um, you know, just kind of like I love the how the camera became a passport to me. And uh, I just always went back and forth between video and photography, uh, still photography. For me, it's basically the same thing. It's t trying to tell images through tell pictures through images. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then I was lucky enough to um, get a student exchange to go to Europe, and uh, just met more interesting people, and it just realized the world was this big, beautiful, interesting place, and I just wanted to meet as many people and learn about as many things as I possibly could. So I did everything from production work on TV commercials to location scouting for movies, uh, more what's called below the line stuff, production, uh, the sort of grunt work, which I was happy with. And then um, 
bunch of years ago, somebody wanted me to start directing, and I directed a few things and liked that. So there's the short answer, I guess. So this is definitely not your first directorial project. Well, it is in terms of a feature film, in terms of a documentary, it certainly is. Um, I've directed, uh, you know, corporate stuff and advertising stuff and things like that, uh, which is, is more of a mechanical process where you're, you're not really, you're basically not really allowed to be too creative. Somebody tells you exactly what things are going to look like and your job is to sort of stick to the script kid, (laughs) you know, so that kind of, to more, it was more like a technician, uh, for me, uh, than having the sort of ability to just kind of do what I want. Gotta listen to the who's ever paying the bills, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was also lucky that I, you know, I had a post-production company in Vancouver. Um, just, I was silly enough to set one up and I got lucky enough that the industry exploded. So I uh, did well and then I took 18 years off uh, and traveled the world continuously for 18 years. Wow. And I was just kind of, to be honest, like the first few months, it was like, Honestly, it was getting a little boring. I needed something to do or I was going to go back, weirdly enough, because it's like it's nice to travel and see new things, but you still need purpose. You still need something to do. So I ended up working on films and TV and stuff like that, not because I actually needed to, but because I wanted to have purpose and, again, the excuse to be in the room. And then I ended up working in different aspects of production in literally 100 different countries and found incredibly rewarding to, again, be meeting some guy in Mongolia who's explaining to me about, you know, some Mongolian guy that, you know, left all these secret treasures or end up in a submarine in in Honduras. No, was it Honduras? Yeah, it was Honduras, where a guy had built this submarine and suddenly I'm finding myself 400 meters underwater in a homemade submarine. Uh, or, you know, landing in Nepal and suddenly finding yourself at you know, in a helicopter ride to base camp at Everest. It just was fun to kind of like to see where the universe took me. That is crazy. That that sounds yeah. It, it's been a it's been a crazy. It's been a really interesting life. I often, uh, you know, because there's so many things happening. Like, just pick a country and let me tell you stories about that country because there's too many stories. Wow. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think Melissa's a little jealous. She loves there's, traveling. There's envy. Yes, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't think you want to be in the submarine, but <laughs> no, claustrophobia would not allow that. But the adventure would be fun. It, it yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't think too carefully about it because I later learned that um, to officially be a submarine has to go through this heavy duty certification process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually be designed by engineers that know what they're doing and all the rest of it. And this guy literally just kind of read a lot of books, talked to a bunch of retired Navy submarine engineers, and built himself a submarine. And you went in there. And it, he couldn't afford to get it certified. So it's, But he's been running this submarine still going. It's called the Ildebel, and he still runs it every day, and it's been running for 20 years, so that's one good seal of approval. Wow. But technically, there's no way he could actually be allowed to run it anywhere other than Honduras because, you know, there's these pesky things called laws that yeah. kind of... <laughs> regulations, who needs them, right? <laughs> regulations and safety. and So sometimes in retrospect, I wonder if some of the things I did were good choices. But you, know. but you did it. But I did it. It was fun. And uh, I've, I, I've almost died three times in my life. And every time it happened, it was completely unexpected. And it wasn't anything that would be like an obvious thing well maybe the first one was kind of obvious but the second two were kind of like 
out of the blue and you know it wasn't anything I was doing it was just sort of bad luck or good luck depending how you look at it because I survived <laughs> yeah. I was say, you're here that's good <laughs> so with this uh, movie the the documentary mm-hmm. what made you decide to do it on this topic um, are you in the lifestyle is that something that drove this decision or was it just something that you're like you know what 50 shades is out it seems to be picking up popularity let's dig into it um i'd always felt like a little different than most people um i always just kind of did what i wanted to do and figured it out i never was really influenced very much by other people I tend to, and I could never figure out why everyone didn't leave their live their life that way. I would just, okay, I'm going to build a business, I'll build a business. So I fail, I succeed, I, I want to go there, I go there, I just do it. And I always found people just kind of like, oh, can we follow you? I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm going to Cambodia. Okay, we're coming with you. And I, I didn't really understand what that was. But I'd always, you know, been more dominant kind of person, but, you know, grew up in the time of still... You know, let's talk about it. Let's be open about what we're into, and we could still do all those things that maybe people don't talk about anymore. But I think that I've always thought they're cool if people consent. Uh, and then I read a book called SM One Hundred One, and I think the opening couple of pages was there's this thing, there's this thing called dominance and submission. There's some people that are just sort of naturally more dominant by nature, and there's people that are naturally more like want to follow by nature. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> And that was like, so I, I, I think I was always into the DS thing. I was always into consent. I was always into doing whatever, really, with, with consent. I didn't call it kinky or call it, you know, BDSM or anything else, uh, you know, because I didn't know what that was till I was like 35 or so. Um, and then I just enjoyed that process. And um, somebody told somebody that I knew about this stuff and they, this company that wanted to roll out a dating app for kinky people approached me and said hey would you help us get roll this out to the kink community we hear you're kinky i'm like okay sure tell me more about it yeah it was a a company that i don't think they knew anything about kink but i knew enough more than them that you know i was the expert i guess (laughs) um i I investigated the app and between you me and the lamppost well i guess the whole world now um i didn't think it was that great um and i told them that honestly i don't think your app is very good. It could be if you get out there and you want to listen to people and you want to do the right thing and work on it. And to my and I also said, look, I, and I'm not particularly interested in just being a shill and going, hey, go to this app, go to this app. I've always believed that everyone's motivated by one of three things uh, or a combination thereof. Some people are purely motivated by money. Some people are motivated by social conscience, some idea that they want to do something for the world. Uh, or, or uh, you know, be of service to the world. There's a connection. This matters. And then some people are just pure ego. And we're all probably combinations of. And I said to them, look, sure, the fact you're sponsoring events is going to get one kind of person. But if we do a documentary or something and we're really trying to talk to these people, you're also going to get the people that just want the message out. They don't really care about the money. They just want people to understand who they are and, and, and speak. So, you know, the first event, uh, you know, I made a list of events, you know, all the events everybody knows about, I guess. And the first one that I happened to go to was DomCon. And I met all these dominatrixes. And frankly, I thought that was a bit of a caricature. Um, 
I had never really known many. For me, that was frankly the kind of thing is you know there's this thing about hooker with a whip kind of thing and i probably had that cliche myself to some extent uh until i started meeting these people and just because they were kind of like the first people i met and then i started realizing you know the lifestyle was more male dom female submissive that's a tougher sell right now kinky already is a tough sell to the world if i start doing kinky and you know, uh, male dominant females, which is a bigger part of the world than the, the dominatrix, it was probably going to be an impossible sell. So I decided intentionally to focus on the femdom aspect of it initially. And it was interesting to me, and it's where, where I started. So, uh, you know, um, I took the, the app, took me to these events, and I promoted the app, and I filmed my documentary. And that's how it, you know, just started like that organically. So you were doing them simultaneously? Filming the app. Yeah, no, that was the pitch. I said to them, look, uh, I, I, um, I don't want to just be a sales guy, and I don't think it'll work anyway. If you want to throw in a few extra bucks, we'll do this documentary at the same time, and you'll get the people that want to do social or care about what this is and helping people understand what it is. That's the 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 ego and the the doing being of service kind of aspect. Um, and of course, there's there's money too, a sponsor event, so you kind of get everybody that way. Um, so I just I pitched that, and to my to my surprise, they actually went for it. Uh, so I was able to just be honest with people. Say, hey, I'm here. Please download this app. They're my sponsor. And hey, can I interview some of you? <laughs> you know, and that was how it started. So that and it was a good. It really worked out well. I got 1.6 million people to try the app. Wow! Uh, so it's worked out well for know, them. For, <laughs> it was well. I mean, it was. I mean, the whole project I think was like half a million dollars. But so that's like a thirty-three cent customer acquisition cost, which I which I'm I understand is uh, you know incredibly good. So they uh, they got more than their money's worth. Uh, but unfortunately, they didn't. They started taking my advice towards the end, but it was too late, and they just weren't holding any of these people. They'd sign in, they download the app would be buggy, or they wouldn't fix certain things, or they didn't understand certain things, and uh, the way they would. yeah, it just. Didn't didn't survive but uh you know i'm grateful very much for their time and their effort and their, i think their heart was in the right place i think that like a lot of people they just didn't really understand the whole thing and i didn't either now i understand the whole kink thing better than i ever did before i i'm more probably from the your world where it's more male dom female so it's more lifestyle now i understand the femdom side better now i understand the fetishist side better i understand i went to gay events which was fascinating to me because i always had the village people thing going and I had, and it really surprised me how much respect, like these guys were, I mean, they do look that way to some extent, but they're really incredibly like strong. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why it came as a surprise to me, but just how these guys, most of them had literally served. So they, they'd literally been in the military. They'd actually not just, you know, saluted the flag or anything. They, they, they risked their lives to protect that freedom. And I, I don't know why that wasn't so obvious to me before but i just developed a huge respect for these guys because they if anybody's actually you know risked anything to have that lifestyle on average they probably risk more than most right right agreed that's just interesting every time i go into a new world or a new community and even if it was a little bit kind of like oh i don't know are they going to like me or what this is kind of what, what's going to happen it always was an amazing experience to try and get to the heart of you know what it was so as you went into these communities, how difficult was it to get people to 
to appear on film. I mean, when you go and you say, hey, I'm here shooting a, a documentary, you want to be on, how many of them actually said, oh, yeah, let's do it? And how many of them were like, eh, you know, I'm kind of trying to keep my private life private, or maybe they didn't even believe you were a filmmaker, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. was, was that a, a difficult thing? Oh, surprisingly not. Um, I would say no more than 1% of people said no. Um, and of the 150 I did interview, only one, two requested to do it in with anonymity. Um, I think it's people are ready. Maybe it's also, you know, a lot of them were the, the dominatrixes that were maybe a little bit more out there already. So maybe that, if I had done it pure lifestyle, maybe it would, I would have pushed, got more feedback or more, um, pushback. But, um, no, I actually found it, uh, surprisingly uh people really really sort of surprisingly open surprisingly frank uh surprisingly uh, unvarnished um i was i anticipated that there would be a lot of the in the dark i'm doing this but it turned out quite the opposite and again maybe that's because a lot of the subjects you know there uh, that i ended up using were you know femdom prodoms that uh, you know want the advertising i guess Maybe if it was people that are more lifestyle that, you know, your day job is working at the principal for the high school, you know, nobody needs to know what you do in your private time. You may not be, you're not ashamed of it, but it just, you know, the world is not quite ready for the principal of Springfield High to be in leather community yet, you know? Yeah. You know, they should be. And I think they will. I think the, the, it's analogous with the, the gay community, um, you know, it was, it was 50 year only 50 years ago that it stopped becoming a mental illness to be gay it's only been yep. 10 years that it stopped to be a mental illness to be kinky yep. so we're really at the nascent of the beginning of that process i don't doubt i mean and nobody's going to lose a job over being gay but i think people could have problems of, of being in the lifestyle right now but i think in 20 years i think that'll just that'll be protected just as well as long as you're a good person as long as you're not you know, bad people, there's more bad people that are not kinky in my mind as a percentage of people because it's mainly being bad is about doing things without consent. <laughs> exactly. right. well, and it's not about spanking, spanking. <laughs> and tie people up all day long with their consent. <laughs> Do it without their consent, then that's a bad. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. That's kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, uh, it's good that you bring this up because we shared a story um, on one of our earlier podcasts where we uh, were at Kinky College, which is uh, an event in our area. Mm -hmm. And we were listening to uh, this gentleman tell his story, and um, he works for the school district. He's a school bus driver. And he would lose his job if they found out that he was even at that event. It has nothing to mm -hmm. do with his his lifestyle or what his choices are just if he was at that event he would lose his job automatically because of course if you're kinky and, and doing this stuff then of course you're a child molester and you know rapist same stuff they said about gay people 40 years 50 years yeah. ago you know so yeah it's it's really good that we're finally starting to get the education out there um and and i think after watching your film i think that's it's doing a great job of presenting that aspect of it you know so well, i actually i mean i i 
I didn't start this way, but now I think that we can actually say that we, we should have a superiority complex because the way that we interact with each other and the way we interact as humans with, you know, discussions and informed consent and um, being sure we're on the same page and then doing whatever we do, even if it's a little out there, then taking care afterwards. Well, how was that? You know, should we do that again? That's not just a model for kink or human. That's a model for business. It's a model for life. It's a model for everything. Because the where the world sort of messes up sometimes is people thinking there's one true way. You know, they don't take the time to talk to other people and try and at least you don't have to agree with people. You can do the old your thing is not my thing, but you still should take the time to try and understand them and not just apply sort of universal some sort of rules that you decide are right uh, against uh, everybody. You know, you can believe what you want to believe and who you are, but it's a discussion. It's a process. And I think there's a lot we could use that in diplomatic stuff. We could use that in business stuff. We can use that in solving geopolitical crises. I mean, it, it really is a a beautiful process. And I think the other part of it that's beautiful is that there's an, there's sort of a, this recognition that's part of kink in my mind that everybody is so different. That the reason I'm asking questions that we're talking is I don't know you. Maybe you you look like a guy, but maybe you you think of yourself as a woman. I I'm not going to assume. And maybe there's sort of beautiful ideas from that. Uh, maybe so like we celebrate the diversity and we appreciate the diversity. We may not be into the same things as someone else, but generally, you know, you don't shut other people down. And I think that openness will create ideas and those ideas will be the ideas that that, you know, could solve a lot of the problems the world needs to solve. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the communication and, and the whole relational aspect of life has just gone so far where it's, it's my way or the highway, you know. I'm not talking to you to share ideas. I'm talking to you to force you to believe my ideas or I'm talking to convince you that my way is the right way. And in in the lifestyle, that's just not how it is, you know. And so, yeah. And that's, you know, that's funny, though, that that's actually a fairly recent thing. Because the the original concept of democracy was that, okay, I'm going to share my idea, you share your idea, and then they someone gets to decide which was the best idea. It wasn't that, oh, you're this, you're that. And I'm somewhere along the line, it stopped becoming about ideas yep. and just became about making the other person look bad. Yeah. And that's where we are now, and that's why... They don't, you know, the, the the powers that be don't want us to, would want us to have more shame and more worry or more things. So they have stuff to throw against us, you know. Um, and it helps to control, you know, when you... It helps to control the masses if you say, well, you don't do that. Oh, the yeah. bad, bad people are like that, as opposed to that's just a different approach. Right. You know, how, politics right now, it seems to be less about the marketplace of beautiful ideas or ideas. It's more about let's make the other guy look worse. I mean, you can you know, see it in, in all their campaigns. It's all just smear <laughs> campaigns now. It's, it's demagoguery. You know, it, it's just, yeah, everybody's trying to, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I think, you know, that, that, it's funny if you look at countries that are more sort of open um, and more kind of where there is more democratization of ideas, they tend not to do as well militarily. <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering if maybe there's a reason they want to keep us repressed and messed up because, you know, 
somehow nipples will kill us, but everyone should have a gun. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think nipples would make okay. many more people much happier. Yeah. That's more nipples. I often wonder if if there isn't actually a a concerted effort to I mean we it's harder and harder to control the masses. So the the best technique for controlling people is to have them feel shame about. It. There's reasons we should feel shame, but they're not most of the reasons people feel shame aren't reasons. You know, like be walking around naked is not a reason you should feel shamed. Right. You know, doing something bad to someone else. Some you know, that's something, but other you know, there's not you know, believing in what you believe. I mean, it's just funny, but they want to make you feel bad for supporting transgender people or not supporting transgender. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's just, there's, they just want to, you have to make, you have to choice. Like, I don't really know enough of them yet. know enough people and seems okay. I don't understand what the big deal is, uh, but yeah, why was... are they devils? Are they going to, are they coming to take my land? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Get more guns. <laughs> they need more guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know because they have nipples. That's probably that's, that's the what problem. They have more nipples because <laughs> if they become a woman, those are bad nipples because you're allowed. If they're biologically men, they're they're okay. Nipples are okay, <laughs> but if they're biologically female or female, the nipples are dangerous. So yeah. maybe they're just afraid of more nipples. That could be. That's what mm. it is. I could see that because you know boobs rule the world. You know, you mm -hmm. get a, a man upset, you flash a tit. Everything's good. That tends to be how it is in our relationship I mean. anyway. <laughs> so um, while you were making this this documentary, was there anything that really kind of jumped out and surprised you? That, I mean, I know you were saying earlier that you're, you're surprised when you went like to the gay communities and, and stuff like that, but was there anything with like the dominatrix or anything that was just like mind-blowing that um i don't know mind-blowing it was just it was interesting like again one of the things i like about kinky people is they will interact differently with different people so i'd be standing having a conversation with a dominatrix and they would start like this like we're just two regular people equal and maybe someone else that she interacted with they would have a previous relationship and maybe he was submissive or whatever. So she'd be talking like this to thing and then go, you're worth this little bitch shit and kick him in the balls and like get the meanest look and feel and then back to, so what are we going to have for breakfast today? <laughs> you know, just kind of like this, it was almost like speaking two languages. You know, she had, you know, they, nobody, I really appreciated the fact that most people in the kink community will start as equals and then, because everything is consensual. It doesn't matter whether you're dominant or submissive. You're not my dominant or my submissive, uh, and you know that has to be negotiated too, unless you ask for it, and then it's so the other person decides whether they want to give it to you or not. But I like the fact that, for the most part, people were uh, super, super respectful of that kind of thing, um, you know, and I appreciated that. Um, I was surprised, frankly, and maybe it's just because young, a lot of younger people getting into it haven't gone through the same, but it's usually if anyone ever did the, I'm introducing myself as Master Bob, and you will address me as such, it's usually someone who's like 18, been in the the, the lifestyle for about two weeks now, and uh, really, <laughs> like, to me, there was actually actually nothing less dominant than Trump, someone trying to dominate you, because that just shows that you, you know, you clearly don't know where you are, you know, you don't get it at all, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was a surprise, uh, but uh, yeah, I think 
the one that stuck with me the most is, and it's obviously because you know I, I consider myself dominant, although I'm getting more switchy now just because I'm getting more experimental, I suppose. But um, all the dominatrixes were really lovely people, almost without exception. Like they're really like sweet, surprisingly like sweet, normal, regular people. That you know, in a second, it could be like, ooh, yeah. wow. <laughs> It was like a, her twin sister just said, you know, <laughs> so it was just the, but that was obviously in a consensual situation. Um, that was, that, it was a, I thought there'd be some that were a little bit, but the ones that had, everyone who had done it for a while seemed to be really just regular old people, regular people, unless you were, you know, playing or in a scene. And I don't know if it was a surprise. I just thought maybe the dominatrix would be like that more often, but a, yeah. a little yeah. more dominatrix than than what they were something you can tell i mean you could tell honestly most of the time you meet someone just by their body language you know if they're if they're closed body language they're typically a little more submissive with the body language i mean you guys are a perfect example actually you could tell you're you're more open body language you're not trying to present as a dominant or anything but you're just sort of naturally presenting a certain way and you can tell most of that just by body language anyway it's just a feeling you have for people you know mm -hmm. right. Now, when you're uh, asking people if they wanted to be on camera for this and doing the interviews, were you finding more uh, of the doms that would say yes? Were you asking more doms than subs, or was there kind of an equal number, or or were the their their doms saying no, this one's not going to be on camera? I mean, how much of that did you experience? Um, honestly, I don't think I had any. I mean. I had so many more people than I could film because uh, initially I had people helping me and they were like talking to people and arranging interviews and I was just running them like a factory in the beginning. Um, so maybe they got more no's than I, I realized, but in, in I don't think there was very many. Um, I had a lot of submissive guys that were talking. I ended up using Robin just because I saw him more and I loved the way he spoke and uh, he's super smart. He comes off as kind of like a you know relaxed guy but he's you know an engineer with like super smart mind and just i just end up let him speak for all the guys i guess was for him and cupcake i guess uh, but um there were certainly others uh there's a lot of others but you start off with like 150 people and then you come next time you see how many you've got something happens to and then to try and make any kind of story you want something to happen it can't be hey i'm a dom i'm still a dom yep Five months later, still a dom. Yep. Oh, yep. Over. Yep. I'm still a dom. You want? I need. I wanted the ones where you know someone got kicked out of their house and somebody, you know, uh, thought this was a little weird or you know maybe you know needed something with some sort of basic arc. So though that that was more important than anything else. Start with a bunch of people and then just just whittled it down by whittled by it down based upon what happened. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know. I mean, honestly, I. It's funny somebody thought that I was like, oh, yes, you know, I, I, I honestly I filmed it in real time. I don't I didn't know where it was going to go. I thought maybe Emily, the girl that decided to check this out, would go. Yeah, they're all back crazy. And I'd be that I wasn't going to cut it if she did. Right. Uh, I wanted to genuinely see what she would her experience was, because I felt like I was getting a little but too much like, yeah, yeah everyone should do this. You so, know, there's some there's some beautiful truth here. So. So how long did it actually take once you a year. actually a year? So you followed mm -hmm. all these people for a year? Uh, not all. No, I couldn't afford to do that. Um, I had a number of events that I was going to. Uh, and that's one reason there's a lot of them were femdom events. So I would go to those events where there a lot of people would be. And again, that was why I ended up 
having more of the femdom thing. Um, so I started DomCon, and I started London, actually, and then went to DomCon, and then I can't remember what the next one was, Montreal Fetish Weekend, maybe, and then it ended basically at DomCon. So it was just checking in at those people, at those opportunities, and then in between I had the opportunity to go to a big event in Costa Rica where, where it was a bunch of people, so I was able to catch up with people there, too, so... Uh, I, I can't say it was all planned. I mean, I, I basically just started with a bunch of people, did the best I could with what I had uh, at the events that I was able to go to. If, I would, if I'm able to do one about the lifestyle, uh, I would pick do much the same approach where I would start at whatever the biggest lifestyle event is, uh, then find out what the, the next top 10 ones are and go to those events and see who I bumped into and what happened. And if something really interesting happened, like with uh, the, the lady getting kicked out of her house... Then I'd have to make a special trip to get to fly to London just for that. But you didn't want to do that too often because it's expensive, expensive yeah. you know. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was very heartbreaking. Oh, her yeah. story. Yeah, it was that, very heartbreaking. That boggled yeah. my mind. Yeah. 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 Well, she, you know, she I mean, it, it's obvious, I suppose she, she was very, you know, she had her heart was certainly in the right place. But, you know, she was a little too open. There were actually now I think about there were quite a few super famous doms that said no chance not going to be in it because they'd been down this rodeo before and it almost never them them sticking up their head almost never turns out well yeah so uh now now that i think about it there was there's a few that uh that really um did say no actually now that i think about it i hadn't thought about that for a while but yeah there is a few of the super famous ones that said there's nothing you know there's there's, i mean one of the things people there's no upside. I mean, one of you probably know, but one of the biggest places for these people is Washington D.C. has more per capita than anywhere else. There's none of the ones from Washington would want to talk to me, because that pretty much will kill your business. Yep. It's like, do you think that whoever whoever senator wants to see his dom on TV? Don't think so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that that was that. You know, I was surprised nobody in Washington, but yeah, there. Well, I guess there was a lot of people said, but yeah. So, From that first meeting, the, the subjects were more or less cast, I guess. So uh, you mentioned the uh, the young lady who uh, went through the classes to see if she wanted to, you know, take that home. How did you find her? Was she, I, I wouldn't think she would be at, like, one of the conventions at all. So how would you? No, no. Um, as I mentioned before, I've been very fortunate in my life to travel a lot. And I used to go to India for the Christmas, for Christmas every year just to try and swim in the ocean and whatever. And I'd actually met her in India and just, just liked her. We you know, had dinner a couple of times and I immediately recognized, you know, that we were just going to be friends because, you know, she, she was a very dominant person, naturally. She wouldn't have known what that was. She didn't really understand it. She, you know, she's not an unattractive woman, but she couldn't understand why 90% of guys found her bitchy right. you know um <laughs> she never really understood it and she, and also pretty much all her real successful boyfriends were military you know you know like you know heavy duty guys like special for you know like you know but military nonetheless and i'm going ding ding yeah i know what's going on here <laughs> so i knew that she was naturally dominant but had no idea so i kind of thought she'd figure it out and she did so you kind of invited her in for this actual party. I now. literally I called her up and said, "Hey, you know, it's me. Remember we met in India?" And I mean, she's she is camera friendly. She's smart. She's articulate. Said, "Hey, can I 
give you a free trip to uh, L.A. and let you learn from dominatrixes how to do this stuff and whatever. And she's like, and I knew as a traveler, it's like, you never say no. If somebody says, oh, we're going to go to a temple on a mountain. Well, I don't know where they eat bugs in the temple on the mountain. Well, oh, hell, let's go. Let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> you can't say no as a traveler because that might be like, those are the best tasting bugs I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you just have to take those. So I kind of knew that she, I, I guessed that she would. And yeah, and she did. And uh, it was beautiful because I, I, I honestly wasn't sure she'd see it the same way and sort of go through it and have the same experiences but it really worked out beautifully because it was it really was my checking kind of like checking my homework kind of thing am i is am, am i the only one seeing this because i've seen been around this or if i if a vanilla because she to me was always the audience she's my audience 30 something 40 something year old woman uh who's open-minded but doesn't know this world they maybe read 50 shades of gray but that's all they know so they, you know, that's my audience. And if I couldn't convince her, who I was pretty sure was dominant, then I think I would have really had a problem uh, because that was, she was always my audience. So that was why it was sort of softer, put her through it. And she was also able to articulate the stuff that still blows me away. Like there's a point in the film where she's talking about like, I don't know what's going to happen if they're, they're going to be naked. Do I have to do things with them? Like <laughs> not understanding you can do what you want and not what you want. Like that, that, still surprised me how people like don't understand that going to a kink party does not put you in any, any obligation to be anybody's play toy or to play with anybody in fact it's quite the opposite right. <laughs> you know you, you know but people somehow think oh if i'm in that milieu somehow i'm giving consent to strangers to do strange things they just it's amazing to me but i think that is still the core misconception yeah it is yeah, well, I mean, you know, in all honesty, before I got into the lifestyle, I, I had the same misconceptions. You know, you you only know uh, what the media is, and all that presents to you. And mm -hmm. they have not done a very good job so far in really, I mean, Fifty Shades brought it to the mainstream, but in such a poor way, in my opinion, anyway, I know there's people that say, oh, no, that was a great movie, but I watched it and I'm like, yeah, that's more abuse than it was consent, you know, but it wasn't kinky. It was like a woman trying to rescue a fucked up dude. Really? You know, yeah, okay, exactly. I'll, I'll, live in your, I'll live in your world to try and rescue you from yourself. Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty insulting. Yeah. But it's like that's like trying to take a convert a gay person to straight or a straight person to gay. It's like, oh, you're really gay. I'm going to just teach you about that and make you this or vice versa. You are what you are. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. anyway, don't try and change me, you know. Yeah. So right. I understand the misconceptions, you know. It, yeah. I think. There are some, um, like I said, you learned kind of earlier on. You, you started exploring earlier on. For me, it was much, much later in life, you know. Um, and I think the later in life it is, the more misconceptions that are there. You know, you've had so much time of your life to be programmed by everything else that now this comes along and you're like, well, what the heck is that, you know? Yeah. And, and you see it and you're like, well... There's no way, especially when you see uh, um, a power exchange relationship where, like you said, you'd be talking to the dominatrix and she'd turn around and kick them and call them names. And you're like, well, that's just kind of jacked up. But you, you don't realize, no, that's exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. You know, it is fully consensual. It's, it's, it's good for them to do that. 
from the outside world, it, it looks jacked up, you know. So I get it. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all, no matter how enlightened or educated we all are, we're all products of our environment. We're all, no matter what, the most open-minded people still will have their lines, right. you know, because well, but that's too far, and, and it, you know, it's that for them it may be you can't help yeah. it. Yeah, hmm? yeah. For them, it may be too far, you know, and that's fine. And and, that's and there's fine. certain things that I feel the same way about. But it, you know, you learn more, and you're like, okay, well, I guess that's you know, uh, if we believe that we all have agency and we can choose to believe and choose to live as we want to live, right? Then uh, it's not for us to decide, exactly. you know, about other people. Yeah, exactly. You know, safe, sane, and consensual. If mm -hmm. if, if they're doing it, hey more power mm -hmm. to you mm -hmm. so um so after talking about the film you said you have uh you interviewed a lot more people are you planning on doing anything with that footage or do you think that's just kind of not really worth putting together are you got other projects that you want to get done now other areas you're wanting to explore yeah well the the truth is i have about 10 different projects that i have under development okay. um but it's expensive to do this sort of thing so frankly i will sort of go uh, with whatever i find the funding on first or what the path that reveals the first okay. um you know i've always i've ended up doing thing documentaries or not pieces from everything from styrofoam cups to super yachts to hanging out with the dalai lama and it's all been interesting even like how styrofoam cups were made it was fascinating actually to be able to watch it so i'm very open-minded to learn new things so it's very easy for me to zig or zag so you know if if i get funding to do something else like this i'll do something else like this um if in the in-between i am going through my other material and starting to see what i can use for something else because in a perfect world, what I'd love to do is a 10-part series because I recognize that I shed a little light on one tiny little aspect of the community. Right. And there's so much more to it. It's like I, I visited France and this is what humans live like. You know, um, I'd like to sort of visit, you know, England and the United States and Mexico too, you know, and find out, um, you know, do a 10-part series and, and cover different aspects. This is what leather is this is what lifestyle is this is what pet play is this is what latex is this is what you know do do it instead of traveling like a do it like a travel show but instead of traveling to countries we travel to communities and try and understand a little bit more about that and i would love to do that but you know if you happen to have a spare three or four million dollars lying around just, let me know and we can, we can talk <laughs> yeah we'll, uh, to do that show would be at least three million dollars, and I don't have three million dollars. No. <laughs> probably Yet. never will have. Probably yeah. never have three million dollars, but you know, maybe I'll find somebody to sponsor it. Well, so speaking of that, I mean, how does with this film already done and completed? And by the way, I the production on this I thought was amazing. It was beautifully shot. Um, yeah, I enjoyed watching this immensely. How now, since that uh, the people who sponsored you with the app, with them being under, do you own this film now? Oh, yeah, I own it. I own it, yeah. So how do you get this film out there to start making money off of this film? What What is it going to um, take to do that now? 
Oh, I've, I've already, I'm, that, that started a few months ago. That's actually what got me onto LinkedIn, actually, was uh, you, you find yourself an agent. Uh, you know, so I went onto LinkedIn and made a list of the world's 100 agents that dealt with this kind of stuff and chased them down. And I got uh, 17 of them to make me offers. Uh, and one made me an offer that involved giving me some money up front, which was useful because I needed to spend it on doing some sound stuff. <laughs> Should have used it to whatever. But um, so yeah, it's, it's already out there. Uh, it's we're um, it it's been on the TV market for a couple of months now. We already have people offering uh, money for different different things. Um, it's not going to make the money that it costs to make. Uh, because that just doesn't happen anymore with the current market. So it would, but luckily, out of my own pocket, it didn't cost that much. So it'll all make something from it, sure. But the truth is, the money is when somebody like um, get lucky and say a Netflix sees it, and maybe they decide to buy it, maybe they decide not to buy it, but maybe they like the idea and they like the production value, and they hire me to do. To series. do a ten-part series, yeah. Exactly. Then I get paid by them. I'll have residuals from that. But then there's somebody else's job to, you know, get me to A and B and do the the rest of it and and do that. That's usually where the money comes is when somebody, when you're famous enough or well known enough that they hire you to do something. Gotcha. Almost nobody, almost nobody. Uh, there are notable exceptions, but. Almost nobody ever makes money uh, doing a film that they paid for themselves or put together themselves. It just because you you go film festivals and especially now because the, uh, the the market is really fractured. I mean, it was the the old days. It was TV and film, and then we added the Netflix as the world. But now there's a hundred, there's a well, hundred. There's about three other things now. In fact, the most common thing that seems to be growing the most is what they call fast channels which is free ad supported television. And basically what it is, is TV on your computer now, the same as we had TV on the TV before. They've really come full circle. So now you can, anybody can, you know, watch the content, it stops every 15 minutes and there's an ad. So, I mean, it's like, if this is the new innovation. We've gone full circle. <laughs> Let's go right back but to what we had, right just now, a different delivery system. <laughs> nobody's really sure which model's going to prevail. Some people will pay not to have ads. Some people will expect it to be free. Some people... So because the market is so fractured right now, nobody's really writing any big checks for anything other than something that's gone through the, the boardroom and decided, which is why something like I read recently that of the films being made, 80% of the films are, are based on existing intellectual property. In other words, it's already a Marvel. It's already a book people know. It's already a comics people know or superhero people know it's something people already have heard about nobody's just doing stories that no one's ever heard of because that's really hard to get through so long story short um you know next project will be pretty much what i get paid to do and i hope it'll be something about kink and travel that would be fun yeah so how do you go about getting this in front of like a netflix something that big i mean is that your agent just that's the agent's job yeah okay yeah it's it's uh, Netflix is hard and and HBO and the, the really big ones are hard because obviously everybody wants to get in front of those gatekeepers so those gatekeepers tend to be a little harder to get to but some of the smaller even even big production companies like Paramount and CBS and you can get to those people you know they'll they'll, they'll give you a quick yes or no but you can you can usually get a decision 
um, yeah, it's really just you know finding them and and the agent theoretically uh, should have connections or connections that have connections. And in my case, I think it is in front of Netflix right now, and it's a connection of my agent, not even my agent that's taking it there. So nice you know but they take a year to make a decision in between you know the time sky tv in germany buys it for their sky network and then netflix isn't interested because it's already been shown in europe so i mean just take which you, you know you what happens happens you know uh, again that's why when it when it's pre-bought if they decide you're going to make a series like this they've also already figured out when they're going to be selling it hmm. when it'll be broadcast it's like it's going to be shown in 2026 so you have till September 2025 to finish it. Here's what we have to do because it will be shown on October 5th, 2026. You know, they, they have all that set up way in advance so they can have them and they'll probably have it mixed with other TV shows that they feel will be appropriate balance, you know, blah, blah, blah. So when did you actually f uh, finish this one? Because I, I noticed that uh, there's a lot of talk about the pandemic, you know, and some other things going on. Well, that was like, 2019 2020 and all that so when was this film actually shot and, and kind of wrapped up it was shot just before the pandemic and finished just after i actually finished 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 it this year on january 14th oh so oh, you wow. just finished it yeah wow yeah that's a long yeah. process well that was uh <laughs> i'm gonna tell you about almost dying i uh, yeah. i lost uh, there's a lot of weird shit happened um the woman that I was working with uh, the beginning of January took her own life. I remember uh, that. And I didn't know what to do. So I just put it on hold and did other things for a while. And one day I decided, well, I don't know how to decide. I think I'm just going to call, talk, try and get a hold of her parents and talk to them about the situation because I needed to. I was thinking I could pick it up again. I'll just cut her out of it maybe or figure it out. But I just. She always felt like um, the spiritual guide behind it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Was this the and, one in the film at the end where you... Uh, yeah. Dedicated, okay. yeah. 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 She was the woman that started. She's the first woman you hear from. She was actually yeah. the first dominatrix I ever met. That's actually... I forgot that part of the story. Uh, I had met her in Budapest, and she admitted she was dominatrix. I'm like, okay, that's interesting what that's like. And we actually literally just talked all night about... Her life's fascinating to me. She seemed like she seemed like such a nice person for being a dominatrix. You know, it was all the cliches, you know, and she was just really open about it and really kind of the inspiration behind it. So and she was actually one of the reasons why perhaps I got such a warm welcome is she kind of said, Hey everybody, I'm vouching. You know what it's like with the kink community. Yeah. Yep. I suppose. I forget this little bit actually. I, I should remember it's like uh she vouched for me basically. She told everybody he's cool, and that's why I probably got farther faster. Um, I suppose if I had walked in, maybe it would have been more challenging, but she was my, uh, she vouched for me, and uh, that was a big part of where the film, why the film got done. But she took her own life, so I took some time, and then I got a hold of her parents, and her parents basically said that. Uh, long as people understood it wasn't her interest in BDSM that killed her. If anything, that might have actually kept her alive a little longer because she was able to control her life a little bit more than most people can. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised and pleased that they, they didn't have any issue with it. So I started in earnest. But uh, unfortunately, then I had a major stroke um, and ended oh. up... Uh, wow. <laughs> I was basically 1% chance of survival. I was gonzo for about a week in coma. 
And uh, it took me about six months to sort of recover my faculties. So yeah, I kind of lost a year and a half there and, uh, and a year and a half with COVID. So wow. you know, once COVID was done, I started getting, got, got uh, back into editing. So yeah, there was a kind of a weird backstory there too. Well, we're glad you're with us. Me too. <laughs> yeah, and we're definitely looking forward to uh, more projects, especially like this. Um, I would really love to do something about the lifestyle, so appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the questions I have. Um, yeah, I think. Did you have anything? I you wanted, you've been quite a, quiet over there, so I want to make sure that that's kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> get get out what you want to get out because I know. I'm the one that does all the scheduling. Well, you're the one who kind of put this whole thing in motion, so thank you, too. Well, I don't know. I, I saw the post in LinkedIn, and I was like, I want to know more. And so we oh, did. <laughs> well, one more thing. Um, so you have the petition drive going. Oh, yes. How is that going? Are, are you getting signatures we're gonna we're gonna put links to all of this with the yep. podcast and that and we're gonna try to drive as much as we can to your website and get all this going so but how how is that coming you... uh every time i have an opportunity like this i usually push it a little bit uh i don't know how many signatures there are now it's probably not a lot i think a couple hundred but it, it's one of those things just to make people think about it differently and open up discussion you know a lot of people will say but there has been great films i'm like okay name one and then people will often say, like, the secretary. Well, the secretary has the most classic of classics. She did this because she was a, you know, abused person. And this, she was crazy. So she was only doing this. Because, I, I loved every part about the film except for that. Right. They had to go to the cliche that, okay, she was, she's only doing this because of her, you know. So even the best film so far isn't perfect, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just... I, I just want to bring people like the people in the kink scene that will like certain films, but you know, everybody likes what they like and they prioritize what they like. And some people it's more about gender identity. Some people it's more about DS. Some people it's more about a specific activity, but they kind of forget that there are other people that have other concerns mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they feel they're unfairly represented because of whatever, whatever. And I, so far I've not seen, and I can't think of a film that, um covers all bases and maybe it's because you can't if you can't tell one story you can't right because yeah. that your characters are what your characters are that's why i like the idea in my, my film to try and at least show you different people that had different results okay they have different backgrounds some like it some didn't some this some that you know somehow that felt closer to the truth to me mm -hmm. than to focused on any one person yeah, which movies I, I that's one of the things I really liked about your your film is is it showed you know not I ain't gonna say a lot of aspects but within the dominatrix the professional dominatrix that you're showing you know you did show even a couple shots of that one couple sitting at home you know watching TV and eating popcorn you know hey look we're normal mm -hmm. people you know this mm -hmm. is what we do it's it's not a mm -hmm constant you know dom con in our lives so, it normalized yeah. it yeah yeah and it is normal i mean it is generally it, it and i hope that we 
you know, again, I, I always reference the, the 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 gay community just because I think they've been down this road before us, and a lot of the what really helped. I mean, my grandmother was like, didn't know what it was until she was shocked to find out that Liberace was gay, and after that, she had no problem with oh, oh, he seems like a nice guy. I like his music. I guess it's okay, and that was it. Moment where she kind of knew someone she liked, even if it was a famous person, that was like that. That was over. That was the end of it. But up until that point, she'd never met anybody like her. I'm sure she had, but just she it. just didn't have that clear connection before. So I love the idea of like, you know, that's what kinky, kinky people, you know, you probably can pass for a vanilla person if you really want to. It's so silly. People think they literally look like look different or something, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just, but, you know, it's what people think. So I just wanted to show people uh, to start that thing, letting people just realize that we're doctors and lawyers and engineers we do, we're just normal people yeah. doing normal jobs and uh what we do other things that we like or whether it's part of can be our identity it could be just something we do for fun for some people it's 24 7 for some people it's for 24 minutes right you know it, it's it's different for different people but you know, uh, that's what they do and that's how they want to be or what, what gives them joy or gives them pleasure. And it doesn't preclude them from being good people. If anything, I actually think the opposite. The people who lead lives that are closer to what feels right to them in every possible aspect will be happier people, will be better people, and will probably be people that contribute to the whole more than those that don't. You know, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, I got, like I said, I got nothing else. Are you good? I'm good. Do you have questions for us? Um, I am curious about a couple of things. If I don't know if uh, I feel like I should be rolling cameras on you guys now. Uh oh, um, we're, we're open. I find that the the I know it's like the 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 Christian kinky thing, the kinky podcast, right? Is that yes, the I, I find that really fascinating. And I, 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 with I am I believe uh, I respect people of faith and 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 I I'm I'm grew up Christian and I want to believe more so I'm always fascinated when I to to explore that so like how does your your faith your Christian faith intersect with your BDSM lifestyle? Um, that was something. So just a, a quick little history. Uh, Melissa is the one who kind of brought us into this lifestyle. It wasn't my desire to do it as hers. And so uh, being a Christian. It's always the innocent ones that cause the trouble. It is, isn't it? Busted. And, and like I said, you look at her and you think she's so nice and sweet. And... I'm not. Yeah. So um, when she brought it to me and said, this is what I want, my, my first thing is always to run it through the filter of God's word. Mm -hmm. And as, as I did that, there is nothing in the Bible at all that says you can't do this. Nothing. In fact, it's more the opposite. When you really start to read the Bible and what God wants from us with sex, as long as it's within his parameters, you know, he wants you to just have a good time. You know, mm -hmm. like, like you said, people who are more open and honest with themselves and what they want and, and are doing that are generally happier. Um, so, yeah, once I really started, it took me a little bit. I, I researched and I dug into it. But, yeah, there's surprisingly, I found nothing 
that that said no, that, don't do it so i'm like what the heck man if, yeah. if this is what you want let's hey let's game on it. so and <laughs> well i think i i, I went to a I'm, I'm protestant but i went to a catholic university and i'm pretty sure the catholic catholics would have some issues but that's religion that that's religion <laughs> not faith but anyway you know? protestant, i agree it's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it, a lot of the issues i believe that any uh christian any religion has with it are man-made when you get down to christianity and in, in, in what it is your relationship with your it's it's a faith it's yeah. not a religion it's a faith and it's yeah. your relationship yeah. with god mm-hmm. yeah and god does not say anything at all about you can't have kinky sex yeah yeah nothing there's there's nothing that even yeah. like is in fact when you read like the song of solomon you know that's that's very explicit you know he's talking mm-hmm. about yeah. grabbing yeah. tits and i mean yeah it's yeah. So it's more of a man-made construct to turn everything yeah. against it. And once I realized that, um, yeah, and, and we're, we're I, I think we're very open um, to other people in, in, in what they do. You know, like you said, it doesn't have to be your kink, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. If, if it's theirs, hey. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. You know, yeah. Go for yeah, it, man. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's should be the most Christian of concepts. You would think to, so. You know, listen to you listen to thy neighbor and you know, yeah, walk we, in his shoes and yeah, you know love love thy yeah. neighbor. Um exactly. To be, to be honest with you, Max, um we're finding it uh kind of, we just came back from Kinky College a few weeks ago and uh we were very shocked that they are more anti Christian than what us Christian, well, I say us Christian, but us as Christians were anti-kink. You know, mm-hmm. it was I was I was really surprised. That was our first experience with people in the community being exclusive of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I just think that's kind of why we started the podcast is to see if we hey let's bring the the kink community and the Christian community together. Mm-hmm. You know, and say hey we're all people. Let's, we're all humans. We're all exactly. humans, man. You know, what's good for you may not be good for me and vice versa, but that does not mean I hate you. I don't judge mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. I just ask the same in return. You know? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's important to listen to people's ideas and to try and hear because maybe you don't believe at all. Maybe you only start with 25% and you go, you know, I actually think I believe a little bit more. And then maybe you end up, you know, but just shut yourself down to beautiful ideas to uh, what could very well be the truth, you know, is, is sort of <laughs> crazy, really. I mean, you might as well at least be open to the possibility, you know? Exactly. And I think also from our standpoint, um, being Christians and being kinky, there's, a lot of that shame that we bring with us from our upbringing. And um, that was a hard struggle for us. And we're hoping that some of the messages that we are sending out there will um, allow someone to feel less shameful about where they are and be open to have conversations with people that are in their circle Um to say this is this is who I am. Can we have a dialogue about this? Um, mm-hmm. 
it it's the the educational aspect of it um, is is very important for us. I think it it is it it it, it it's it's a good thing. I I think you're doing good work because uh, the na na I'm not listening kind of thing is just gonna make get us into more trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting with politics, with religion, with everything else. It's like I I really enjoy. Um, trying to drill down on even people that I might start disagreeing with or start thinking, mm, but I love to drill down and find out, well, why? Well, why do you feel this way? And and the funny thing that happens is usually when you take the time to sort of drill down, um, you get to a more honest conversation because they're so used to not having anyone listen that they can't even often explain why they feel that way anymore. And they've never had to. It's like, oh, I feel X. I'm for X. Y is great. I'm X is, well, okay, great. But well, I hate Y. And that's the end of the conversation. I said, okay, so what is it about Y? Like, I, I'm genuinely curious. Why do you like Y? And okay, and what more? Like, so Y is because of this and Y is because of that. Okay, and where do you think that comes from? And they're like, they get starting to get confused because they'll, no one's drilled down. I remember I talked to somebody the other day and, uh, you know, it's a guy, you know, Caucasian fellow who, graduated, worked very hard, became an engineer, raised a family, did all those things you're supposed to be, graduated, you know, 1960, became an engineer, worked, built a life, you know, got grandkids, the whole thing, who really had a hard time with people of other faiths or other religions or other uh, racial backgrounds. And I'm like, why, why is it? Well, you know, I worked hard and they're getting it for free. I'm like, drilled down, drilled down. And I said, so do you remember the day that you graduated school? Yeah, of course. I remember the day I got your master's. Can you picture it in your mind? It's okay. Look around in your in your mind and tell me what the pool's people look like. Of course, it was, you know, 95% white men with 5% maybe women, white women. And now imagine if you were a gay Buddhist African-American. Do you think you would have had the same, having done everything the same, do you think your life would have been the same? And even he realizes, oh no, I guess not. Because no one thinks about where they came from. They think about where they, yeah, it's like right now as a man, it really sucks to be going through film festivals because, and I think it's necessary, we have to deal with some of the systemic racism, some of the systemic sex, so I have no problem, you know, but it is actually le- less likely to get into a film festival as a man with the color of my skin right now than it is. And I have no problem with that. I really genuinely don't. Um, it needs to happen because we have to compensate. We have to deal with these things that happen. But it's, it's the reality of the situation. We have to go the, you know, to deal with these things. Affirmative actions is something that has to happen for a while. <laughs> but you have to tell the whole story or otherwise if all you're doing is, well, right now it's so unfair. Yeah, but you don't, you're not putting history with history, it's not fair. For me right now, it seems unfair. But if I put it in the context of history, it's totally fair. So you have to have that sense of history and that sense of openness to understand what it's like to walk in other people's shoes to truly understand them. Great. Uh, and I think you kind of hit it there. As a society, I, I feel like we're losing empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, with a lot of people say, oh, no, I, I you know, feel sorry for that person. No, that's sympathy. You know, you can be sad that yeah. something happened to them, but unless you're feeling and putting yourself in their shoes, that's empathy. That is, you know, and as a society, 
we don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. And what are we doing to make it better? Yeah, well, right now it's our politicians want to make it worse because they want to capitalize on this selfish need of, well, right now things aren't as good for me. But they don't understand that we it's 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 only fair and it's only just that, you know, uh, my ancestors did some horrible stuff and it's time to pay the piper, you know, and it's only fair that that that, that, that people that didn't have the advantages are given, you know, we try to make up for some of these things. It's only fair. And I think we have to, if we have, think about that, then we, we can accept it. But otherwise, we're going to just be selfish little monsters that all we think about is, I want my cookie now. I don't care that I've always had cookies. I want my cookie. Mm. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, you have to have history. You have to have empathy. You have to have compassion, all of those things, those beautiful Christian ideas. Yes. Yeah. That. Well, unfortunately, a lot of Christians do not like to. Uh, yeah, adhere to. Yeah. Obey. I've often wondered. Uh, I, I like God's got to be pretty upset about some of the things that humans have done in His name. I would oh, say. Oh, I would sure. say, yeah. Not a happy camper, you know. I just. I guess they'll get. Uh, uh, they'll they'll get a talking to. I would imagine. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I think we all will. We all We're all going to get it. To, yeah. None of us are perfect. You know? Exactly. We're so, all going to get it. Yeah. Do you have further questions for us? Uh, I guess it's about, I am just in the. So is there anything in the Bible specifically that makes you like you were talking about? What, what chapter was it? Uh, Samaria? Uh, Solomon. 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 Yeah. Songs of Solomon. Yeah. That's interesting. I want to look that one up. Okay. Is there any, that, that's the sort of the, the one that's, that kind of like, that's the one that is, um, it, it's, it's a love story. Um, it's a mm -hmm. love story in the Bible and, uh, it, it's not like graphic where, oh, you know, he's banging her that, but he talks about the, the you know, the beauty of this woman and her breasts and this and that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that right there goes to show that God wants us to enjoy mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. relationship, mm -hmm. but when when i was going through and uh you go through like the giving of the law because you got the ten commandments and then it goes into this whole thing afterwards with all of the laws i mean everyone likes to focus on the ten commandments but there's way more to it than that mm -hmm. it's very very specific um about everything uh what you can and can't do not just about sex but just life he was very specific you can do this you can't do that here's the punishment it spells it all out and when when you go through this list of what you can and can't do bdsm i mean there's nothing about mm -hmm. if, if you're having sex within the, mm -hmm. the boundaries of marriage knock yourself out basically mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. long as long as you're not you know like banging animals and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, there's no restrictions. Well, they can't give consent, so they can't. They, no. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. No, they covered under the consent rule. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's really um, once you get past what religion tries to use to control the population, yeah. and you sure. dig into it with yourself, uh, yeah, it's it's very. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can see it. I, I feel like there's something there. There's a. It's an interesting. Well, and also it it shows um, it, it's throughout the Bible. It shows 
from a dy- uh, dynamic power exchange perspective, you know, the there's always the head of the household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it even says, tells the wife to submit to your husband, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you would to Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is a very much a power exchange dynamic that goes on there. Um, the problem is when people, especially women, um, when they hear submit, it, mm-hmm. it, that's like a, like a curse word. Oh, I ain't submitting to no man. Ain't no man going to rule over me. But they don't quite understand what that really means to submit. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. let the guy walk all over you and abuse you. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just a natural order of, you know, God first, your spouse second. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's an order. It's just like having a job. You have CEOs and managers and workers. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's really when we dug into it, this lifestyle is exactly what God Kind of prescribed in the bible <laughs> right. just not those mm-hmm. words interesting. you know interesting interesting so and what about i i hope i'm not getting myself into too much trouble but i'll be the devil's advocate for a second because i'm genuinely curious um what if you're a buddhist are you going to hell so according to our beliefs and our faith um when you die you stand before god to mm-hmm. give an accounting of yourself and at that time, that's between you and God to decide. Right. So you matter. could, if you were a good person, led a good life. You, you could just really say, yeah, you could yeah. say, look, I, I believe, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, that that's the way the Bible describes it is, I mean, it, it was a perfect example with Jesus on the cross where he was, it was him and two criminals next to him and they didn't believe in anything and then at the end they believed in him and he's like then you'll mm-hmm. be you'll be with me you know mm-hmm. but what if they don't realize that until they're actually dead you still like i mean there are people i've traveled the world there are people believe it or not they've never heard of christianity yeah. still you know are all those people screwed no absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not um, but they're good people that, that was always the problem i had is like all these amazing people i met different religions and stuff that really led beautiful amazing lives but yeah. you know they had they were their dude was muhammad or their dude was buddha or their dude was you know at the end of it all the bible tells us when we die that's when the decision is made when we die when, we okay. stand before him and up to that moment you know when you're standing before him nothing's been decided it's when right. you're standing before him you're already dead you're there so theoretically, if you were a good person and never even heard of the, you know, this, but you still lived a good, honest life and respectful, and you you should be okay. Theoretically, Maybe. I mean, if if I mean, you want, that's again the hardest decision well, I no, suppose, but no, that's, that's a good answer. I've never heard it that, but that way, you're, that's good. You're kind of right on the path, though. But theoretically, you can take it one step further. You don't even have to be a a good person and have lived a good life. Theoretically, according to the Bible and what the Bible says. You could have been the worst person in the world, and you die, you still stand before him. At that point, you can repent and ask for forgiveness, and if you truly mean it in your heart, right? It, it's it's a done deal. That's that's the God that, that we believe in, that's the God we have faith in, that's the God mm-hmm. that I've read about in the Bible. You, it, Some people's like, well, that's not fair. You know, well, hey, it, if, if, if 
I would do that with my child. If, if he treated me like mm -hmm. crap his whole life and then he truly came back to me and said, look, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I am truly sorry for everything I've done. Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. would I turn him away or her, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. if that's me, how much more love would God have for me? Yeah, you know, of course. He doesn't no, want to see any of us, you know, go down the wrong path. Right. But he gave us free will to choose everything. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and we also feel, based on previous conversations that we've had, that even though um, we say God and, you know, we have other religions that have a higher power, they all are very um, consistent with what that higher power represents. And so for us, it's God. For them, it's a different word. Mm -hmm. But it's the same person. Right. Um, that was wondering about that, too. Is this like trying to be our higher selves, our better selves? And d people use different words to describe right. it. Yep. Yeah, the, the only difference is with Christianity, we have Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, who was a living, breathing person, you know, mm -hmm. and God all at the same time. And, you know, the way is through through him for salvation. And, and he said, Christ himself said, like I said, at, at any time through your life or after mm -hmm. you die, up until the point where you're standing before them, you know, you, you choose. Mm -hmm you can choose at any time. So. It is amazing to me that all the world's religion, almost all the world religions actually, it's just, uh, it's connected. It's like a family, like, you know, Jesus was a Jew, mm -hmm. uh, and Christianity. And, you know, for us, that's for, for most Christians, that's where it ends. Unless you're a Mormon, then you believe in, I don't remember the next guy was like, whatever. But the, the Muslims also, Smith, is that what it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I know in Islam, in the Quran, Jesus, they speak of Jesus. In fact, Mary is very important. She's a great example of a, a beautiful, or, or uh, a pure woman. She's actually more celebrated in the Quran, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me that it just seems to be this debate about, you know, well, which prophet is the last prophet. You know? Because what happened there is with Muslims, so in the Bible, with Abraham and Sarah, mm -hmm. God told Abraham, and Isaac. yeah, he said, uh, you'll have a son, you'll name him Isaac, and he will be who I will build my path through. Well, uh, he ended up getting uh, Hagar pregnant and had Ishmael, and that's where it split. Up until that right. point, it was the same religion. Ishmael went this yeah. way, and you have the Muslims, yeah. and Isaac went this yeah. way, and you have the Christians. Yeah. So it's really the same yeah. thing, yeah. you know? Just different. Just the, yeah, the same but Christ different. And they got, you know, Allah and that, you know, but yeah. it, we all started with the same God. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's that's the thing that like why the what I, I believe in a, a higher power. Um and the only reason I don't want to give him a name is because I just have so many friends all over the world that I can't imagine are going to hell because they call them yeah. this and somebody else calls them I, that. You know, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing that always stops me is like I I lived in Lebanon for a number of years and, and really got to know some Muslim people very, very closely and got to know them. And they're just such beautiful, good people. Yes, they are. You know, yes. really honest, sincere. It's not like what you see on TV. I mean, 
you know, they what they did a lot of stuff that they crazy they did was out of a level of desperation that hopefully we'll never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know? know, and a lot of what you see on TV is just the extremists. Yep. You know, there's Christian yeah. extremists yeah. too. You know, Christian exactly, exactly. Extremists yep. are just they're the worst representation of any, yeah, exactly. anybody. So. But they get the loudest exactly. voice though, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. I was, you know, it's always nice to have a. This is. I, I am genuinely interested in all things, and there is something about. Some people, like you, experience the kink community, think that it's one or the other, and I don't believe that at all. I think you can. You can see the beauty in everything if you look. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, the hard. It absolute minimum, obviously, you would believe a lot more, but at absolute minimum, it's a beautiful, the idea to love and have compassion and have connection and try it, you know, at minimum, it's that. Nobody should argue that, you know, at maximum, obviously, it's the absolute perfect truth, you know, and that's possible too. But I mean, the worst case scenario ain't that bad. No, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well said, Max, well said. (laughs) Well, I think we're good. I think we're done. And feel free, Max, if you would like to talk to us more, reach out to us it'd be great you know to follow up later and see what you're doing and and maybe promote some more of your projects i think that'd be great yeah i'd love to see what the next one is maybe i'll end up doing an episode on uh, the intersection of religion and kink that's interesting okay. that would be really, really that'd be good, fun I <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, good luck finding it's not Christians. it's not as uh not as uncommon as you'd imagine one of the things that really shocked me was visiting a tibetan monastery and the Tibetans have a tradition of um, debate. They, they basically in the monasteries, all they do is debate the religion all day long. Oh. They and they have a sort of pack. And when a monk uh, gets a little sleepy or lazy, the the head monk slaps him across the whatever with a with a thing, and you hear it all the time, like help. I mean, these guys are like dominatrixes to the little monk guy. I'm like, because you think of these like supposed to be these peaceful little Buddhas, right? right? They're like, what? Okay, are you awake now? And apparently the Dalai Lama also taught that way. It's like it's not like most doms, you don't hit in anger. Right. You hit play or to accomplish or whatever. And that does have a way of waking up the, the, the monks. So, uh, you know, there's something to it if it's done again. It's not, if you do something, you cane somebody and it's for their own good. You know, maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Something to it. Wakes up the kittens too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Max. Well, take care, and uh, we'll be keeping in touch with you if that's okay. Oh, appreciate it. All Thank right. You All very right. much. Thanks. Thanks, Max. Max. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. So that was it. That was the uh, interview. Um, we hope you really enjoyed it. We are. Uh, going to put some links uh, below for you to uh, get in touch with Max and check out this film. Um, yeah, and check out our Facebook page, uh, the Kinky Christian Podcast, that will also have the information you need and links to keep up with the film and see where it's at and when, it, when and where it's going to be released. So... Hopefully we'll have that information pretty soon. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, but we would really like to thank Max for his time. Um, it was a joy to get to know you on a uh, personal level. 
um, and to see where your heart was for this project and what we we anticipate to see very very yeah. near future yeah we'll definitely be following you too max so yeah thank you very much so thanks for your time and and your film and and your heart man so i think that's about it for this episode you got anything more to say kitten i don't think i do okay well until next time uh take care of each other and uh, god bless <laughs> <laughs>